Welcome to Storm Stories, a podcast about the effects of hurricanes on coastal North Carolina. You're listening to episode four of our second season, where we're talking about how hurricanes impact different groups of people. In this episode, we're focusing on how Hurricane Florence impacted people who are HIV positive. I asked four HIV positive people what it was like to live through Hurricane Florence. The first three people I talked to, who will remain anonymous, said they were affected in the same ways everybody else was. But there were little things I noticed in their stories that were specific to HIV. I didn't take them like I was supposed to. I think because it was like a routine that was messed up. So about two weeks I didn't take my medication. The next person I spoke with says he doesn't think he'd have gotten HIV if he hadn't had to leave his recovery house and evacuate to his hometown during Hurricane Florence. I was staying over here at the Tree of Life. Uh, It's a rehabilitation house, drug rehabilitation house. I feel like if I wouldn't have had to leave, I wouldn't be positive. I messed up pretty bad. I started getting high again. I feel like I got positive when I went back to Davidson County because I was sharing needles and shit, so. I also spoke with a woman who had to evacuate her home in Wilmington and stay with her daughter in a different county during and after the storm. Her kids have no idea she's HIV positive, so she took her medication in secret for weeks. Actually, I keep my medicine in a... um like a cosmetic bag. They don't ask me what I'm taking, but you know, they know that I have diabetes, high blood pressure, I'm depressed, acid reflux. They know all about that, but they just don't know about me being HIV positive. Why haven't you told them? I feel like it'll hurt their feelings because, I mean, my son, he's like a mama's boy. And my daughter, I'm quite sure she will understand, but if I tell her, then she's going to tell my son. And I feel like it's going to hurt their feelings. It's going to hurt them real bad. That's what I feel like it's going to do. Actually, when I leave this world, I'm going to write, I'm going to write them a letter and let them know. The only person knows my sister, my baby sister. And to this day, I still don't know where I got HIV. So, while many of the challenges faced by HIV-positive community members during hurricanes are the same as the average person, they have to think about other things too, their medications, and whether they feel comfortable disclosing their diagnosis with the person they stay with. And people who use IV drugs during the stress of the storm may have decreased access to clean paraphernalia, putting them at greater risk of contracting HIV. Few have a better understanding of the concerns of the HIV community during natural disasters than the fourth person I spoke with, longtime activist Jeff Mills. Being HIV positive and having your health stabilize and having your viral load be undetectable, you, you kind of aren't concerned for being sick, but you are worried about specifically your access to health care. Um, something like like Hurricane Florence, does have a significant impact on HIV-positive people's lives. Mills also talked about how being HIV-positive during hurricanes compares to the stress of being positive during COVID-19. The dread as it's approaching, approaching, getting closer, getting closer, getting closer. COVID-19 is stretched out over a longer period, but it's the same impending doom. But do I feel more prepared? By virtue of hurricane preparation for something like COVID-19, I'm, I think the anxiety is more overwhelming. With, with COVID-19, access to my HIV drugs becomes an insecurity because if the supply chains are disrupted, 
a lot of a lot of medications are fabricated in China, you know. Uh, and um, what if trade with China is disrupted by COVID-19 pandemic issues? I feel much more par paranoid, if you will, about that than the fact that I would be more I would become sicker because of, of having HIV. With COVID-19, I'm, I'm a lot more angry. It's the, um, the unpreparedness of the society and the government specifically, and its refusal to, um, to open their eyes and see how deadly it could be and is becoming. It's causing me outrage that is kind of difficult to live with emotionally. After speaking with HIV-positive community members, I turned to the next group of people who are crucial to telling this story, their healthcare providers. And before we move on, I want to let everyone know an important point I learned from the two women I talked to. Even though new infections of HIV have kind of plateaued in the U.S., the Southeast makes up 50% of all new infections. And people between the ages of 13 and 24 are especially at risk. The first healthcare provider I spoke with is Suzette Curry, the director of an agency called Partners in Caring, which provides an array of services to the HIV-positive population in Wilmington and beyond. She says her agency's ability to provide services to clients was hindered by the storm because their operating system and office were totally destroyed. Returning to our building to see that it was a complete disaster and we could no longer return there. And so restoration and capacity building to help with just operations to begin again, because it's like starting all over from day one. Curry says to prepare for future hurricanes, we need to consider access to health care in rural areas, where many of her agency's clients are located. There's a gap in services, especially for people living with HIV in the rural areas. If they would include and consider those folk, because when you're geographically isolated, you don't have transportation, sometimes you don't have sufficient food, sometimes you might not have a computer. And th to consider people who are impoverished, everybody can't go to Winston-Salem, everybody can't fly to another state to be out of the storm. Those people are just stuck. And finally, I talked to LaShonda Wallace director of a nonprofit called Seas of Healing, which works to fight stigma associated with HIV. She's also a family nurse practitioner. She says about three-fourths of her clients are part of the Ryan White program, which provides federal funding for people who are uninsured or underinsured. She said access to medications during the storm was the biggest issue for these clients. And the majority of those clients received their medications from a specialty pharmacy. Right. So those clients are not going to receive their medication from the corner CVS or every corner Walgreens. Their medications come in the mail. So when clients were or are displaced, they can't get their prescriptions. And if they already had a concern with privacy, they're not going to have their prescriptions mailed to someone else's home that they're staying with. If they don't have access to transportation or challenges with transportation to begin with during a storm, they were missing appointments. And then people that may have had advanced disease with inadequate housing, safety, living in shelters, um, where are you storing your medications, those other environmental concerns that put you at greater risk when your immune system is already compromised if you're living with HIV. You can't go without medication. You can't go without your doctor's appointments. And Wallace echoed the concerns Curry has about HIV-positive patients in rural areas. We actually travel to Onslow County, Columbus County, and Pender County to provide remote services 
uh, for clients that have challenges with transportation coming into New Hanover County. But imagine if they are affected by the storm. So they can't go to urgent care. They can't go to a CVS Minute Clinic when there's a concern. They are just shit out of luck, basically. What we've um, come to realize is that um, stigma and access to quality care for all um, has been one of the greatest barriers and um, problems that have kept this epidemic still thriving. You've been listening to Storm Stories. Storm Stories is a project of the nonprofit arts and media organization Working Narratives, which is based in Wilmington, North Carolina. To learn more about Storm Stories, visit www.workingnarratives.org. Music by Cambo Music and Picture of a Floating World. Special thanks to Ren Smith, Nick Saberla. Funding for Storm Stories was provided in part by the Democracy Fund's NC Local News Lab Fund, Unitarian Universalist Beach at Shelter Rock Foundation, and generous individuals like you. I'm your host and producer, Laura Bratton. Thanks for listening.